in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, <laughs> uh, he won. 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 I know. I know. I know. Does, uh, Donald Trump beat all those cases. Basically, basically, basically. The Supreme Court here in the immunity case, uh, April 22nd. That means, and I only know this because actually on this matter, I've been t- paying attention to the fake news and they're all crying. They're all upset. They can't believe it. MSNBC. It was like, oh, post, uh, I mean, it was like Pearl Harbor. They couldn't believe what happened. Uh, the presidential immunity case. Donald Trump says, when he, when I'm president of the United States conducting official acts, I should be immune. And all of his activities between the election and, uh, well, everything he basically did was an official act. And there is solid constitutional grounds and legal grounds for that argument. And the Supreme Court sees it that way. So this will at least delay the trials. And I hear all these former federal prosecutors, and they're incensed by this. There ain't going to be a trial on the January 6th stuff before the election. Very, very, very unlikely. And they know it's over. Now, the, uh, the, the White House actually knew this a long time ago. The White House, the Biden people, they knew that none of these cases were probably going to stop Trump before the election. Uh, the fake news, though, they were kind of they were still pushing this and pushing this and pushing this. And now it's been thrown in their face. So, hey, by the way, what the uh, 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 Diego, the engineer, has got a mask on 2020. It's uh, it's not 20. What the hell are you doing with a mask on? Uh, I was uh, I was a little sick yesterday, so I don't want to contain be contagious. Uh, I don't want to, you know, you know let me ask you something before. I mean, did you have covid? No. All right. You don't have to wear a mask. All right. I mean, come on. You uh, uh, That mask tells me a lot of things. Potentially. Potentially. Now I'm learning why I get all kinds of looks from you from time to time when I talk about certain issues. Right. You are. okay. this is it. You're a liberal. That's okay. I'm not a liberal. You're not a liberal. Are you a communist? Are you a socialist? What are what do you call yourself politically? All right. Never mind. The mask. You're wearing a black mask, too. It's uh, The black mask is better than the white mask. The white mask looks like a diaper. Um, But this is interesting. All right. It does tell us a few things. Circumstantially, what do you call yourself politically? Uh, apolitical. Apolitical. All I right. don't like – I do not like either party. You don't like either party. Uh, I don't like either party either, to be honest. I like MAGA. You know, MAGA is not a party. That's a movement. That's a spirit. That's a frame of mind. And I hope you are open-minded when it comes to MAGA. You don't have to tell me anything, but MAGA is not, in a weird way, it's not It's not partisan. You know, what do we believe? What are the fundamentals? Having a border, legal immigration, uh, not getting into uh, bogus foreign wars and then losing them. Uh, what else? Childhood innocence, right? Uh, mm, the individual, uh, rights, freedom, liberty, uh, freedom of religion. We don't like communism. We don't like socialism. If you want health care, quite frankly, um, and we all want health care, I want to have my own doctor. I want to pay him with my own money. I do love insurance, though. Okay, I want insurance. But it's just basically a framework. It's a beautiful framework. And also... To the extent that we have government, it's got to perform some basic functions, national security. 
And I don't know, maybe doing something great, maybe helping the people do something great, like going to Mars, like doing something really awesome. Once again, we haven't done anything awesome, including that dinky rocket that went to the moon the other day. Did you hear about this? We sent a rocket to the moon, and guess what it did? As soon as it got there, it landed, and it flopped over on its side. It 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 landed crooked. It's on its side on the moon. 1969 and 1972, we had you know, just ordinary human beings, not supercomputers uh, driven by artificial intelligence, and those guys were able to land the spaceships right side up. We did it... Uh, like a half a dozen times, six times we did it. And this rocket gets there and it's on its, it's basically on its ass at the bottom of the moon. And did you notice something? No pictures, no, no good pictures. We had video back then in 1969. Anyway, I'd like to see America start doing some great things right now. I want to see America survive. And after yesterday, now we also can't take this election for granted. My goodness, you know, (laughs) It feels a little bit like 2022. Remember how confident we were going into that election, the big red wave? And on paper, Joe Biden did better than any incumbent president like ever, with the possible exception of George W. Bush in 2002, the midterm elections in 2002, where I think he made gains in both the House and the Senate. Uh, we lost, we, 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 do you know what I mean? That could happen again, I feel like. We're not focusing enough on election integrity. Then everything's on the table now, isn't it? All right, so what does this thing mean? Uh, let's go through the experts. This is David Schoen, who's a little bit... Oh, wait, David Schoen. Oh, this is one of the best guys ever. This is one of uh, Donald Trump's uh, uh, impeachment lawyers. He was on the floor. You may remember him. He was wearing a yarmulke, and every time he every time he had a drink of water, he, he, he offered a Jewish blessing. It was very beautiful. I've talked to David Schoen. He's a great guy. I want to know what he's thinking. Cut one. I think it absolutely has to delay it. I think the case also has to be delayed because the obstruction statute is still under review by the United States Supreme Court. There's no possible way to map out a defense till we know the parameters of that statute and we know exactly what the immunity decision is going to say. Because remember, the D.C. Circuit wrote a pretty comprehensive opinion, but clearly the United States Supreme Court wasn't satisfied with that. And so they granted cert here. They didn't have to. They were fully satisfied with that. All right. He talked pretty fast, but uh, he sounds happy, so I'm happy. Cut two, please. Jonathan Turley, you see him on uh, on the Fox News. What he, he may have going with the justices is where to draw the line uh, for presidents. When is immunity applicable? That wasn't quite so clear from the lower court decision. But the real victory here for Trump, it deals with the calendar. You know, the the overriding push of Smith, the special counsel, has been to get a trial before the election. He's running out of runway. If this opinion doesn't come out until June, perhaps, you have to remember that even if Smith wins, the mandate goes back to the district court, which has to handle all the pretrial motions. That could take months. A couple of months could easily be eaten up, and then the trial itself can be three months. There's a standing DOJ policy not to have trials just before an election. So you're talking at at the earliest, likely, late summer, and it could be knocking on the door of November. All right. Look, it seems a little bit convoluted, but the bottom line is this. You know, Donald Trump had every right, and I think, quite frankly, he had a duty to contest the election of 2020. They changed all the rules in violation of the law because of COVID. 
because of people wearing masks, because people didn't want to show up. So what did they do? Well, a lot of people wanted to show up. I wanted to show up. I did show up. But they played games. They played all kinds of games. They used COVID as an excuse to rearrange how we vote. Now, you could say, well, they had to do that. Yeah, but I could also say that you can't violate the law. And one of my favorite examples of this is Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, they have a state constitution, and in that constitution, it says you can vote in two ways, in person or absentee with excuse. They came up with a bunch of new rules without changing the law. They said you can vote at home. They said you can vote here. They said you can vote there. They said if you can't get yourself to the ballot box, we're going to deliver a ballot right to you, and it'll be blank. And if you don't like that, you can go to the supermarket and get a ballot there. You can do one of 500 things to vote. Now, that's a problem because it is, by definition, open to potential fraud and coercion. Just like Jimmy Carter and James Baker said all the way back in 2005. Why were Jimmy Carter and James Baker, Secretary of State under George H.W. Bush, talking about election integrity in 2005, by the way? There was a massive commission that everybody has forgotten about, a massive commission on voting in 2005. Why do we have it? Because we were fresh off the 2000 debacle, remember? Which really wasn't that much of a debacle. When you think about it, what was so crazy about the the election? We couldn't figure out. It was very, very close in Florida. And we had those guys with the, the, remember the hanging chads? And they had to determine how certain people voted. Certain people, you can't tell how they voted. They may not have, they may not have punched the, the, they had punches. It's like a little piece of paper and one hole said by uh, was a gore and another hole said um who's <laughs> gore and bush bush v gore and if you didn't push it out all the way it may not count as a vote but did you try to push was there an indentation and that's why you may remember the famous judge looking at it and he was scrutinizing it and trying to see did this person how do they intend to vote and maybe they could tell maybe they couldn't tell maybe they throw it out maybe they count it and they had people from both sides going through it and it actually kind of worked uh, now we have great big machines doing this stuff for us. I don't see that as trustworthy. Do you? I don't see it as trustworthy. Computer programs. I can't. I, I can't. I don't know anything about computers. And the, I'm going to look at some screen and the screen is going to tell us who won. I mean, the system was primitive, but primitive in a good way. Paper. Local. We could check if we had to. It could be audited. And you didn't need a computer degree. You didn't need to be a PhD. You didn't need to be a doctor of computer forensics to tell who won. You could be a substitute school teacher. You could be retired. And it was a great system, including including in 2000. But we overreacted a little bit and said, well, we need these new digital technologies, and we need this, and we that. We, we it's got to be fancy, fancy, fancy. No, it's got to be simple, simple, simple. One of the things that George, I'm sorry, James Baker and Jimmy Carter came up with, voting by mail is perilous. And one of the reasons that nobody ever talks about, let's say um, I'm home and I'm in a an abusive relationship, right? I don't like that scenario. That's uh, That sounds like uh, I... I let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Let me see, you're in an abusive relationship. All right, let's say uh, let's say Susie over there is living with a jerk 
who says, you've got to vote my way. Let me see your ballot. Oh, yeah, you're not. That, that is a real possibility. They said you can't do it that way. You got it. There's something sacred about going to a place downtown and closing the curtain. And nobody knows. Nobody knows except you and God. That's the way it should be. Now it's not that way. So Trump had concerns about this. Big concerns. So they sabotaged his administration. They impeached him over nothing. For two years, they wasted everybody's time with the Mueller hoax, Russia, Russia, Russia. And in a million other different ways, they were leaking his confidential, top-secret phone calls with world leaders. The intelligence community was doing that. And then all of a sudden, that entire swamp, that entire deep state, was just going to say on November 3rd of 2020, well, let's see who wins. May the better man win. I hope our side does well. No, after 2016? You think they were going to let us slobs from across the country? They were going to allow us to ever have that power again? No way. No way. So they cheated, and everybody knows it. It's fascinating to me that Hillary Clinton and Letitia James and all that, all the in-Democrats can go on TV and scream that uh, Donald Trump was not a legitimate president, he wasn't legitimately elected, dot, 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 dot. The moment I do something like that, I'm telling you, the hair on the back of my neck goes up. When I say, Joe Biden, I don't think, uh, actually won the election. Whoa! Everybody gets nervous. I, I Including me. Is is the FBI going to call? Is something going to happen? What's going to, or do we have to issue a certain statement, right? I can't prove that the election of 2020 was, I can't prove that Donald Trump won the election. I can't. Think about it. Can you? Can you count the... Can you count 85 million votes? Nobody can do that. So we have to rely on others. A lot of the people that we have to rely on are not trustworthy because they lie to us, the impeachment, all this stuff, everything that they say, what they're pushing, right? So uh, I can't prove it. I can't. I do say this. Joe Biden is the president right now because he signed the paperwork. Uh, It's okay to have grave concerns about the 2020 election. That's okay. That's American. That's legal. It's also okay, and quite frankly, it's our duty to have concerns about the 2024 election. And we got to get involved, and we can't just be passive on anything. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority com. I'm watching all the cables. Uh, Bush, forget, forget him. Biden and Trump are both at the border today, and uh, that's great. Now, one is going to be uh, lots of cameras. They want all the cameras in the world, and they want to. They want. They want coverage, and that's Trump. You know, going to see that issue. He's not. A, he's not ashamed of it. It's not his problem. 
He didn't create that. He did not. He solved it. They undid everything he did regarding the border, and they did it with with executive action, and they did it on January 20th and 21st. Remain in Mexico was repealed by Joe Biden right away and uh, all this other stuff because it was all Trump and they didn't like it. And uh, they want these people coming into the country. Um, So this was created by the Biden administration. Everybody knows that everybody. They actually know it. The White House actually understands that people are cluing in and they're upset about the border. So they got to look like they're doing something. And Joe is going to Brownsville, Texas. I'm not going to quibble about Brownsville versus Eagle Pass. Uh, good luck finding them on a map down there on the Rio Ground. Brownsville, actually, I do know where that is. That's a very southern, southern, southernmost tip of of Texas. Apparently, the immigration situation there is relatively under control. That's where Biden is going, but he wants to be very, very discreet. He doesn't want people talking about seeing him down there at the way. He doesn't want to hear any talk about um, uh, Lake and Riley. Whereas with Trump, it's the absolute opposite. This is a huge issue. Uh, we want to make it the issue. We want people to know about it. We want people to understand that Joe Biden engineered this personally, and he engineered it um, for his own party's political benefit. Uh, They want these people to vote Democrat. Now, he may be a casualty of all that. Hey, can I switch for a moment to, um, boy, why are so many white people upset with other white people? I saw on the MSNBC show, these. this this has got to be called, this is hate speech. Mika Brzezinski having some professor on. Um, I don't like talking about race, but they sure do. So as I throw to this, everybody's white as they complain about white people who live in the country. You ready for that? Go ahead. Joining us now, professor of political science at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, Tom Schaller, and journalist and opinion writer Paul Waldman. Their new book out tomorrow is entitled White Rural rage, the threat to American democracy. And Tom, we'll start with you. Uh, why are white rural voters a threat to democracy at this point? You would think, as we pointed out, looking at Joe Biden's background and Donald Trump's, that, that the opposite would be true. I mean, we lay out the fourfold interconnected threat that white rural voters pose to the country. First of all, and we show... 30 polls and national studies to demonstrate this. So we provide the receipts in Chapter 6. They are the most racist xenophobic, anti-immigrant, anti-gay geodemographic group in the country. Second, they're the most conspiracist group. QAnon support and subscribers, election denialism. Just call us deplorables, eh, Mac? That worked really well the last time. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hunter Biden had an excuse. Um, one excuse is go-to excuse. Whenever things got a little bit, he was doing a lot of shooting off of the mouth. Um, but whenever they had like really, hey, this is smoking gun bad stuff, be like, well, I was addicted at the time. I was addicted. I don't know. I was addicted. Um, somebody said you can't use it as a sword and a shield. His addiction excuse. Um, and he's always talking about his dad. He's fifty something years old. I mean, it's a little much. My dad's love this, that, and the other thing. Um, 
But what did he say? Do you remember the WhatsApp message that he sent to uh, Mr. Lee in China, the head of CEFC, a major, major uh, kind of gl- uh, Chinese uh, financial and energy company? He's pestering him about the $5 million that he owes, uh, that the Chinese guy owes Biden, according to Biden. And he says, I'm sitting here with my father, and we are wondering where the hell is the money. And my dad is here, and we are able to talk to everybody in the world we know, and we will never forget this disrespect, and you are failing to meet your obligations if I don't have the money tonight. And by tonight, I mean right now. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a total shakedown. Hunter says, oh, it's because I was high. I only said that stuff because I was high. Oh, I might have been drunk. One or the other. Hey, um, Richard Lewis is dead. 76 years old. Doesn't that seem like really young now? 76? It's like you're supposed to live well into your 80s, if not 90s. I don't know. There's something about uh, dying now in your 70s. It's like too, it's too young. Richard Lewis was a great comedian. What was that show he was on in the 80s and 90s? Wasn't mad about you, but it was like that. He wore those big, big suits. I saw him once on Park Avenue in 1989. Then I interviewed him in 2014. Great guy. Uh, funny, of course. I think he had a resurgence in his career on, on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Let's see here. Here he is on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Richard Lewis, cut 16. I came up here for the tape, and thank you, but I... I, I... I hate doing this because you know you always you always take it the wrong way. You've taken everything the wrong way ever since I've known you. Seven years ago, I was in Paris, and I remember exactly. Forget Paris. All right, you stole my uh, outgoing message on my answering machine. What are you crazy? How long? I mean, this is. Uh, listen, what are you nuts? I know you're ethical. Huh? I'm ethical. We don't. You know, when people steal jokes, we f-ing hate that. But I hate when people f-ing steal my outgoing messages. <laughs> you, I remember calling. You don't you. even know what you're talking about. You are you so have off my base. Same answering machine, outgoing message, and it that's, bugs that's me. my message. I you didn't get that message. You wrote it in Paris. You wrote it in Paris. I had that message seven years ago. F-ing years you know ago. What? I, I, I wrote no. it seven and a half years ago. And by the way, this is all like uh, legitimate, and it's not scripted. <laughs> they actually like. Uh, what the hell is an what the hell is an outgoing message, though? Does anybody have Does anybody have a message? Does anybody's voice come on and say, hi, this is Greg. I can't come to the phone right now, but leave a message after the beep. Nobody says that anymore. Nobody does it. Somebody, um, you know, the machine does it. The machine does it. Um, where's another one? Ooh, this is a little bit blue, I'm told. A little bit sexual. Richard Lewis, uh, cut 15, please. I'm a hypochondriac. I'm susceptible to everything known to man. And my doctor called me yesterday and he went, absolutely no phone sex. Okay, you know, and uh, although phone sex is a nightmare for me, I'm in my hotel room in Oklahoma City there. I'm wailing away. I always have this paranoia that the, the woman's like, you know, in a kitchen making a beef goulash while I'm on the phone, you know. <laughs> you know, and I never have an orgasm healthily. I mean, uh, I just, you know, I usually basically I just do impressions of other men enjoying themselves, which is sad. <laughs> the best one in the last three years, I do Gleason. Oh, <laughs> that's good. That was... Uh, I started getting angry. You got to get in touch with your anger, you know. I started getting, hey, man, I was pissed off. She didn't love me anymore. And I started running out of terms of endearment. It was sad. I, I called her breast mutton Jeff, which was sad, you know. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Richard Lewis was born on t- June 29, 1947 in Brooklyn. 
in the same hospital as his friend and future co-star, Mr. David. What hospital? This is in the New York Times. Um, and uh, just three days before him. Wow, there, that talk about brothers. His family soon moved to Eglewood, New Jersey. His father, Bill Lois, owned a kosher catering business. His mother, Blanche, acted in community theater, specializing in the Jewish mother characters in Neil Simon plays. Wow, show business. Talk about show biz royalty in a way. Mr. Lewis on The Tonight Show in 1977. After finding success as a comedian in New York nightclubs, he became a regular on late-night talk shows. You know, it's interesting. The talk shows of today, they never have anybody fill in for them. Have you noticed? It's like Jimmy Fallon. Well, nobody really watches anyway. But you don't have a guest host anymore. You don't have, They don't do that. Why is that? Johnny Carson used to give the entire show to up-and-coming comedians. And they'd actually host the show. Jerry Seinfeld hosted the Tonight Show like sixty times. Um, what a what a special era, you know, the seventies and eighties for comedic talent. I know that there are guys who are just as funny, even funnier. And actually, if you look it up, they are funnier. They're, the jokes are tighter, faster, in part because of social media. People who really want to study it, and you know, you can access all this stuff. The impressionists are better today. Rich Little. Remember Richard Little, Rich Rich Little? He's he's like a, a crude in comparison, a crude in terms of it's so rudimentary. And uh, the, the impressionists today are much, much better because, you know, you don't have to go to the library to find a videotape of George W. Bush. You can find it in your phone in about a half a second and then work on your impression. Um, all right, so we have that. And then, oh, uh, is there anything else to say about Mitch McConnell? No. I am I'm happy to see him go. He was not working for you and me. He was working for the swamp. And I can't stand it. Yesterday, he's talking about, oh, I am a Senate man, the institution of the Senate. I don't give a damn about the institution of the Senate and your your traditions and all that stuff. It's it's about lawmaking. And quite frankly, we probably have too many laws. Actually, I know we have too many laws. Uh, they have made it so unbelievably complicated. And now it's all about their office and office suites. I showed yesterday, I told you that. Paul Ryan, the former Speaker of the House of Representatives. Okay, I guess that's a big job. You get to stand behind the president during the uh, during the speech, during the State of the Union. He's 52 years old. He's an ex-politician at this point. He has three eight-foot portraits of himself on Capitol Hill. Three. This is not a prince. This is not a king. Public service. Whatever happened to that? Hmm? Whatever happened. It's not about public service. It's about serving themselves. There are some good ones, though. I like Nancy Mace, even though she's she wasn't enthusiastic about Trump. She's on board right now. And here she is ripping into Hunter Biden about Nancy Mace is also very beautiful. The Republican from South Carolina. Um, I mean, she's just uh, sorry to do that. But uh, listen to this. Cut seven. We said we weren't going to do this, but since the left came to the microphone in the middle of the deposition, that I'm going to do the same thing this morning. The two things I'm going to say this morning so far in the first hour is that Hunter Biden is being defiant and also dishonest. And his testimony, some of it, is in direct conflict with other witnesses. And so the transcripts will be out. I won't go into detail. You'll be able to see it for yourself. But um, it's no surprise. It's no shock. Uh, that he is being that way. And in some cases, he doesn't recall. He said that multiple times this morning, which, again, is not a shocker either. But um, defiant and dishonest would be the way that I would describe his testimony so far in the first hour. 
so I talked to her a little while later, and she she was in the room with Hunter Biden, and she told me that Hunter goes up to her, shakes her hand, and says, you know I'm not the evil man that you guys have been making me out to be. And she just said, well, I don't know about evil, but I do know that you are defiant and dishonest. And the funny thing about that exchange, I realize, is Hunter noticed what I noticed. She's a beautiful woman. And Hunter was, uh, I guess, kind of flirting with her. And you know what? We've never really said that Hunter was evil. Is it evil? I mean, it's not good, but evil suggests a certain kind of, maybe it is evil. I don't know. I think um, it's evil is a pretty strong word. It's corrupt. It's dishonest. It's most likely illegal. Um, but he was trying to win her over, trying to, uh, hmm, hello there. Hello there. Hey, we have to go back because we weren't finished with those crazy bigots uh, yelling and screaming about white people who happen to live outside of cities. Talk about, I, this is hate speech, absolute hate speech, and they dress it up as academic. We started it, we weren't able to finish it. Uh, Mika, and let's remind everybody how Mika met Joe. All right, they were both married to other people, and they started fooling around at the office, and now they're the couple of the millennium. It's funny, if they did what they did, like four months later, they both would have been given the Amy Holmes, uh, wait, what's it called again? TJ Holmes, Amy Warbach treatment. They would have been fired. And they would have been uh, maligned. And, you know, maybe they might be working on a podcast at this point. All right. Uh, Mika, introduce us to your bigoted friends. Joining us now, professor of political science at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, Tom Schaller, and journalist and opinion writer Paul Waldman. Their new book, Out Tomorrow, is entitled White Rural Rage, The Threat to American Democracy. And Tom, we'll start with you. Uh, why are white rural voters a threat to democracy at this point? You would think, as we pointed out, looking at Joe Biden's background and Donald Trump's, that that the opposite would be true. I mean, we lay out the fourfold interconnected threat that white rural voters pose to the country. First of all, and we show 30 polls and national studies to demonstrate this. So we provide the receipts in Chapter 6. They're the most racist, xenophobic, anti-immigrant, anti-gay geodemographic group in the country. Second, they're the most conspiracist group. QAnon support and subscribers, election denialism, COVID denialism and scientific skepticism, Obama birtherism. Third, anti-democratic sentiments. They don't believe in an independent press, free speech. They're most likely to say the president should be able to act unilaterally without any checks from Congress or the courts or the bureaucracy. They're also the most strongly white nationalist and white Christian nationalist. And fourth, they are most likely to excuse or justify violence as an acceptable alternative to peaceful public discourse. So you mentioned a lot of negative factors yeah. about about this this demographic. Yeah, a lot. It's a combination of things, though. It's a lot of lies. It's a lot of prejudice. It's dressed up as academic research. My goodness gracious. You know, they didn't. You know, I'll, I'll say this. At least some Democrats, not all, but some Democrats, they talk about MAGA extremists, right? As if there's a difference between MAGA and MAGA extremists. I mean, MAGA extreme. I really want a border. No, I mean, I really, really, really want a border. But they try to some of them try to make a distinction between people that they want other people to be afraid of and like ordinary Trump supporters because they're regular. There are there are too many of us out there. So they have to make it sound like they're just like this extreme fringe. But this guy came right out and said, um, white people in the country, rural white voters are racist, xenophobic 
anti-gay. Now, there is no data, no data to back that up, none. He, he had the receipts in Chapter 6. Well, I'm going to look at the receipts. All right, you can get a poll to say anything you wanted to say, oh, by the way. And the other little cheap trick that I hate is when some smartass from MSNBC takes a microphone and goes, say, into the country or, you know, backstage at a Trump rally or at a parking lot and starts asking regular people geopolitical questions, looking to portray them as ignorant when they're not. You know, Jay Leno did the same thing, and it was kind of funny, but it also kind of below the belt. You're just not... You're not geared. You're not prepared. You're not oriented. You went to go see something to take things in. And some guy with a microphone and a camera points it at you and starts asking you about Ukraine and Putin. It's not necessarily going to sound all that beautiful. It's just it's 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 a little raw and people are taken aback and they're set up. It's a trap. I remember Jay Leno used to go around and say, who lives at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? And they got all these crazy answers. You know what I mean? They, nobody knew. Nobody knew. And finally, he said, "Where does who lives uh, in a pineapple under the sea?" And everybody knew right away. SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> you know about SquarePants, SpongeBob, SpongeBob SquarePants. It's actually after my time. As SpongeBob SquarePants and the starfish name. Hey, I'm looking at. Um, I'm looking at Hunter go in. He's surrounded by reporters. When he, he is in his element. This is what he wants. Maximum attention. Zero work. Um, and I know this from his old man, the dad. Hunter went to his dad when he was nine years old. And Hunter uh, told his dad what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he said, I want to be important. And what did Joe Biden say? I know what you mean, son. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It, uh, you know, the brand, everybody's saying that the, the brand, the brand, it was all about the brand. I have a picture of Joe Biden in 1973, and he was about his brand even then. What kind of person, think about this, wears a hat with their first name on it? I'm looking at Joe. It's a black and white photo, and his hat says Joe on it. doesn't say Biden 72 or Biden 76. It just says Joe. And he's got a big button that says Joe Biden, U.S. Senator. And his dad is walking right next. By the way, he's already a U.S. Senator. So he's not campaigning. <laughs> he's already a senator. And he's got all this crap on that says Joe Biden, U.S. Senator, or just his first name. It's almost like when he became president under... Interesting circumstances. I might even say, look, we have a few suspicions about the election of 2020. It's okay to have those suspicions about whether it was truly free and fair, right? It's okay. But as soon as he gets there, he starts buying all kinds of stuff, not buying, putting it on, you know, presidential uh, leather jackets, presidential hats. Now, you could say, well, he's the president. He gets to wear that stuff. All at the same time, on my Twitter, at Greg Kelly USA, I have a picture of Joe Biden with like every presidential memento memorabilia item is like seven of them. He's wearing them at the same time, just in case you forget or he forgets he's actually the president. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, it's good to remember that. Eric Adams, the so-called mayor, is under FBI investigation. 
And some people have told me that he is in a lot of trouble and an indictment may be imminent. I'll have more in the next hour. In the meantime, uh, Maureen, hello. Hi, Greg. How are you doing? I'm fine. What's up? Hello. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to say that you said that, you know, nobody has an answering machine or whatever. I still have a land phone. That's very unusual. Well, I give them my land phone number, so when they call me, they they hang up because they don't want to leave me a message. I don't put it on my cell phone. All right, so you're calling me to tell me that I was wrong when I said nobody has a um, a voicemail. I said what I said was nobody except you, I guess, Maureen, has a message set up anymore because we all know how it works. We know to leave a message at the tone, so you don't need somebody's voice, you know, hi, I'm Greg. I can't come to the phone right now. Do you have one of those, Maureen? No, my son you see? is on- I, You see, I told you nobody has that stuff. You can have a landline. Some people have landlines. I don't have a landline. Uh, the only people who, I got rid of my landline after I realized the only people calling on the landline were those uh, those scammers who wanted me to donate to, uh, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Well, that's why I don't answer the phone, so I have to deal with it, so I don't put it on, I don't give them my cell phone number. You know what I mean? Well, maybe you, uh, all right, but then maybe just get rid of it, period. I, I don't no, want to tell want, you how to budget I, your life. If it works for you, it works for you. I love you, Maureen. Thank you. Um, Robert in Suffolk. Hi, Greg. We have to pass laws to reverse these things the Democrats have done to make it easy to cheat in elections. I'll get right on that. I've got 25 points. Can I email those to you? No. Changes. No? No. Uh, no I don't want to read 25 points. Hey, Senate, number one, you said, I think you said something. We need to pass laws to undo the law. We do need voter ID. We do need paper ballots. It's we don't. I don't know if we need 25 different things. All right? The law was pretty good. What they did was they uh, they changed the rules without changing the law. Now they're changing the law. Hey, why don't you send them to your congressman or to your uh, assemblyman or to your state senator? You know, somebody who could actually uh, try to make one. And you know what, Robert? You're going to have to put it. You're going to have to find a computer printer and print it. You can't just email this stuff. I don't want to look at email. They don't want to look at email. They don't look at email. You got to print it up and put it in an envelope and put it with the, you know, what do they call those stamps? And send it to somebody, like a lawmaker. Okay? okay. All right. Good luck with that. Uh, Jimmy, hello. Hey, Greg. How you doing? I really respect you, man. Fighter pilot, news uh, news personality, and a radio. Man, you got it going on. My friend, i got to just ask you one thing. Evil, vile, low-life Democrats are going to, in some states, allow non-citizens to vote. Where is our Supreme Court Pardoning Trump and stopping this nonsense. Can All right, hold please? on a second. Hold on a second. Number one, you know what one of those states is? New York State! It's happening right here. Now, fortunately, it was thrown out. As far as the Supreme Court pardoning, that's not what the Supreme Court does. But they just did something very good yesterday, Mike. All right, look it up. That's good for our side. Those trials ain't happening. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. 
In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.